Well, good morning, everyone. I am uh, glad to be back. Last week I was out of town on uh, vacation, and so it's good to be back. I had a great time at a family reunion in Rapid City, South Dakota, and uh, enjoyed time with my family. But every single time I'm away from you on Sunday morning, I miss being here and uh, worshiping with you. And so uh, it was great time with our family, but I am glad to be back. We are continuing through the book of Hebrews. That's what we have been doing all summer. Um, I know it is kind of a season of travel and people are gone. It's summertime, but hopefully you can follow along even if you miss a week or two as we go throughout the, uh, the books. And I challenge you and want to encourage you again to read along with us. Take some time, stop and like uh, uh, read uh, the, a chapter a week with us. We're, con- we're on chapter 5, but it kind of is half of chapter 4 and chapter 5 um, today. But that's where we're at, and we're starting um, there in a moment. But um, the book of Hebrews is a wonderful book, and as I've been going through it, it just kind of lays out and describes uh, who Jesus is really and kind of explains the picture of Jesus that unfolded throughout the Old Testament. And really kind of tells us how the Hebrew people and the nation of Israel were involved in kind of setting the stage for who Jesus was. And the last couple of weeks, it kind of started to unfold and tell us who Jesus is. He is, you know, different than all those, you know, kind of other prophets that came before. He's different than somebody like Moses. He's different than the angels who are created beings. Jesus is unique. And kind of points us to that all of the Old Testament was preparing the way for Jesus Christ. And help us to have a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. And today kind of talks about how Jesus is the great high priest. Well, it got me reflecting on uh, a couple of uh, encounters I had when I was a kid. Uh, my sister, I have one older sister, she's two years older than me, and uh, she was, uh, as a kid, especially when we were younger, she was extremely shy around adults, especially adults that she didn't know. She just did not want to talk to other adults, even though she was my big sister. And so I used to call her shy girl, and I would kind of mock her in that way. Oh, shy girl, shy girl. She wouldn't go talk to anybody. But I remember on several different occasions, there would be times where we would, you know, we would do something, and we'd be, uh, you know, out playing in the yard or something, and there would be an adult that we had to encounter, and she was a lot taller than me at that age, and and. But she would like hide behind me almost and like like push me forward to go talk to those adults. She was like she wouldn't say a word to an adult that she didn't know. And I didn't bother me one bit. I was kind of like, okay, whatever. And so I'd go up and I'd be like, hey, oh, by the way, we uh, we kicked a soccer ball in your backyard. We're going to go on back there and grab it. Uh, is that okay with you and everything? And my sister would just kind of be hiding behind me. And that's how it went. She would just kind of push me up and do that. And um, I think it prepared me later. I remember even through high school, there was times where um, my friends would be, we'd be doing something and maybe we would do something that like didn't sit well with the authority figures and I tended to be the person that everybody said Tyler go talk to them go talk to the teacher and straighten it out and I was I would go up and I'd say you know what here's what happened 
uh, you know, some useful hijinks were taking place and it got a little bit out of hand. I'll tell you what, you know what, we all, we all looked at each other and realized that we were just a little across the line in that moment right now. And so we all have come to the conclusion that we need to calm down a little bit. So I don't think we need to take this any further. I don't think there needs to be any consequences or anything like this because we've all realized the error of our ways. And we're going to move forward and be respectful and courteous to all the adults here. So thank you so much for reminding us of that. I appreciate your position here. Appreciate your authority here and we just we just really want to make sure that this is a good environment here at the school so thank you uh have a good day and and i would do and my friends would be like yeah yeah tyler good job and i would get us out of all kinds of trouble it was wonderful and that was a role that i had and i've even i've even told my kids i was like kids listen there's moments in time where you might like have cross the edge a little bit if you go to the adult and say i was wrong i'm sorry i'm moving if you do that you can you can get away with anything no um not really uh you can you can really uh like ease the situation but i remember i was put in this position on a regular basis as kind of like the representative of some way for my sister or my friends to go on their behalf to just say like try to sort things out and that is the picture, not of me, uh, let's, let's not uh, overdo the analogy, but the picture that the scripture gives us right here about Jesus, that Jesus goes for us, that Jesus is our representative, that we're not alone in this, and that's uh, the picture that it gives us in Hebrews 4 and 5. So let's look uh, at Hebrews chapter Four and five. I got my spot. Um, and uh, Tim kind of Tim talked about uh, chapter four last week, where it talks about the Sabbath and the Scripture, and it talks about how important it is uh, the the Word of God, and um, and it concludes with this sentence. It says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him who must give an account. And then it has this transition statement and goes into this picture in chapter 4 and 5. It says this, Therefore, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What a beautiful picture, that we may approach God in confidence because Jesus is our representative, our great high priest. Um, And it continues to say this. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He's able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as 
for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, you are my son. Today I've become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest in the order of Melchizedek. I can never pronounce that correctly. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So let's, let's reflect on some of these things. And I know there's some explanation that is required. But it talks about how Jesus is the great high priest. And as we go along later in the book, it'll talk about that more and more. And the significance of that and the importance of that. But, but this, is, this is really important that we understand kind of where this comes from. The high priest was, uh, was appointed by God, and the first high priest was Aaron, uh, and they were a really important position. They were important because the center of sacrifices and the center of, of faith in the nation of Israel centered around this, the high priest. And what they would do is every year there would be the Day of Atonement. It was one time a year. And it's also, you know, it's also called Yom Kippur. So it's one time a year that they would have the, the most holy day of the year where they would, uh, they would very reverently to follow very specific procedures to make sure they were personally prepared. And the high priest in particular would take great painstaking efforts to make sure that he was prepared. He would offer a sacrifice on behalf of himself and his family. And he would, he would take that, uh, some of that blood that, uh, from that bowl sacrifice and he would walk into the Holy of Holies only one time of year and he would sprinkle that blood specifically on the Ark of the Covenant. And when he, he would come in, he would also come in with two goats. And he would come in with these goats to sacrifice for the people. And that, well, the first one was to sacrifice and you take that first goat, and it, it talks about in the book of Leviticus, it says, Because of the uncleanliness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sin has been, um, and, it's, and, and they would sacrifice it, and his blood was sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant. That was, it was a, a really important uh, day. And then the second goat was called the scapegoat. And the scapegoat um, was... The high priest would place his hands on the head of the second goat and he would confess over it the rebellion of the people, the sinfulness of the people. And they would take the goat and he would be sent out with an appointed person and it would be released into the wilderness. And the goat would carry on itself the sins of the people, um, which was you know, kind of a picture that they were forgiven for another year. And so this was, this was the big day. 
This was kind of their big Easter day, so to speak, in some regards. It was their big day where they had this moment in time where they recognized every single year how they desperately needed God and they had to go and enter in reverence um, to offer these sacrifices on behalf of their sins. And this was incredibly significant, incredibly important, and only the high priest could officiate, so to speak, uh, this day. And so the scripture is kind of pointing us to that, and it's looking at that. And he's talking about how, like, the, 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 the high priest was appointed and was the representative before God to, like, go on behalf of the people. To go before the, uh, God on behalf of everyone else. That one appointed person. And that was an incredibly uh, difficult and incredibly challenging and important position. But what the scripture says here is, Jesus is our high priest. That, that Jesus is the one that was appointed to become our high priest, to go before us. And so he's appointed as our intercessor, our high priest, and it talks about in the scripture reference how. The different ways that Jesus does things for us. And um, there's a number of different things. As you look through... Uh, one of the things it talks about is in verse 1, it says he, he represents us in all matters. He's representing us before God. He's, he's the one that is appointed to represent us. You know, so many times maybe we, we, we're worried or we're scared. We're like, you know, how, how can we stand before God? How can we understand God? There's been many a times where I've debated or thought about Big theological questions or questions related to my life. And I've asked, God, I, I don't even know what to do next. Look at this confidence that the scripture is telling us we should have. before, uh, Not because of our wisdom, our effort, our ability, our talent. But Jesus is our representative on our behalf. Part of the reason why he, is, he came to earth and he was human. He goes before us. Just like that, that picture or the image of, you know, when I was a kid and my sister pushed me forward. It's wonderful that we don't have to just say, how do I approach God on my own? No, we approach God with Jesus standing beside us. With Jesus as our representative. With Jesus as our high priest. And so he says, he's our representative in all things, in everything. As we walk along in our day, Jesus is our representative that goes before us. How powerful and confident can we feel in like all the daily things that we go through in our life? We're not just walking alone in this. It's Jesus that is our representative in all things. In all things. And so, so it should be something that, like, man, it... We stand up straight and our shoulders are back and we're, we are okay with all of the, the things that we have to face in our day knowing that Jesus goes before and represents us. It continues to say in verse 1, it says that he offers the sacrifices for our sins. Offers the sacrifices for our sins. 
What it was in that time, in that era, is every year they had to do this over and over. And in between the Day of Atonement, they also had to offer other sacrifices for other sins that they did. And there were so many details in the Old Testament that sometimes, you know, it just, it even gets confusing when you start reading it. You're like... You know, okay, so if this happens, I have to offer this sacrifice, and I have to make these prayers, and I have to take these days where I'm isolated from the community, and you take the blood, and you do this. And there's all these ritual details that were, that sometimes in our modern world, it's like, why did they have to do all of that? Why? And it was, it seems as though it was a constant reminder of the reality that, you know what? Like, they had to work really hard in a way to, to deal with the sin that they had. But it was not ultimately what God was doing. And it was inefficient, and it was probably, a, you know, like a, a bothersome part of life that they had to make all these sacrifices and follow all these kind of like ritualistic commands and all these things. And ultimately, in the end, they had to do it over and over and over again. And the picture in the scriptures, it tells us that because Jesus ultimately was the only one that could, that could fully make this sacrifice so it was once and for all done and finished. In the scripture, when Jesus is on the cross and before he dies, he says, it is finished. It's over. All of the sacrifices, all of the things, all of the stuff that you had to do and complete and all these tasks that you had to do, this now and forever puts an end to it and it's over. I'm the final sacrifice for sins. It's done. It's finished. It says that Jesus paid that sacrifice. Jesus from out from the people who is appointed as the great high priest who wasn't sinful like these other priests, could finally and ultimately put an end to all of this. Our sacrifice, our payment on our behalf. It talks about in verse 2, it says, you know, that it points us kind of in the right direction. It says he's able to gently deal with those who are ignorant and going astray. And it's pointing particularly kind of to this pastoral priestly role. That the priest is somebody that kind of knows people. And, you know, down throughout the years, it's been different ways or different, different kind of expressions of this. People like me, people in other denominations that are kind of, you know, just people that you know and you can go to. And you can, you can talk to them about confessing your sins. You can, like, do all these things. And you can know those people. And you can have kind of those gentle reminders and conversations it's saying that jesus was the ultimate high priest in this way that jesus gently patiently and graciously can point us in the right direction i'm so grateful and thankful for all the different times where you know i was i was confused and i was uh not sure exactly what to do and I had people around me in my life that I sat down with and, and, and not, not in a way that was like to harm me or not in a way that was just to reveal all my faults and flaws, but just in a patient, kind way, like walked with me and said, you know what, this is a direction that you need to go in your life right here. If you go this direction, you're going to be led astray. 
And it's a beautiful gift that, that God has given us, the community of faith, the church, and different people who have been called down throughout the ages to kind of play this role. And there's different people in your life that maybe have played this role. Maybe your parents, maybe people in churches that have played this role in your life, that have gently and graciously kind of guided you and pointed you in that right direction. And, and it, it's a wonderful gift that God has given us. But what it's saying here is, is Jesus, as the great high priest, is ultimately the one that like, does this in a way that is unlike any other. And we see it through his life. All of the different encounters he has and the conversations he has as we read through the Gospels. How he, just, how he, how he guides people and directs people and teaches them and tells stories and, and, and displays it with his life. And gives us this path and says, you know, this is how it's going to this is, this is going to be the way that you go in your life. It is, it is so interesting how there is a definite tone difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Sometimes in the Old Testament, it seems as though the word is harsh and from above, and it feels that way. But the God of the universe, who is the same God today, and, and forever is fully displayed in the person of Jesus Christ. And we see him coming and leading people graciously and kindly and pointing them and walking with them. The picture that we see is that God came to earth to, to fully reveal himself and to fully be this high priest that can gently point us in the right direction. Of course, there's times where we need correction that is direct and clear. We need to confess our sins. But I'm so thankful and grateful, as it says right here, that God is a God that is gracious. Do you hear that? God is a God that is gracious. When we are struggling, when we're in the middle of a big mess that probably we created ourselves, can you trust and believe that God is that picture of the caring priests? That you can go to. And you can just talk through these things. And God gives us grace. And we can go with confidence before God. And God will give us grace in these moments. The scripture is saying that these are roles that Jesus plays. And this is the picture that we should have. Of how God treats us. Because he is our great high priest. In verse 4 it talks about. um, It's the. Uh, He offers the prayers, uh, offers those sins before the people, uh, makes those petitions before God. And it's a picture we see in Scripture. That's what Jesus does on our behalf. This past week, we had a youth event at at, uh, church. And on Friday night, we went uh, uh, paintballing. And so we decided, oh, that would be a fun thing. That would be a unique thing. We were out there. We're like, all the kids were excited. And we're like, yeah, we're going to go do paintball. And on our way there, you know, one or two of them had done it before, but most of them hadn't. So, oh, I'm going to get you and I'm going to do all this. And we're talking and we're excited and, and we're getting all the stuff together. They give us a mask, pick out your little paintball gun, get together, give us a little orientation. And, and everything was fun and light and great and wonderful. And then we walked around the corner into the room right before we're going to go into, like, the paintball arena. And I noticed something within me and all the kids that were there change all of a sudden. We walked in, and there's, and, like, you hear, like, 
the shots and they're loud and you hear like people coming out with like pain all over themselves and like bruises and like you're hearing like all this stuff going on. And, and I'm looking around at like these 12, 13 year old kids and all of us like putting their masks on and the guy saying, you guys ready to go in? And, and everybody kind of looked a little bit like this. They're like, oh my goodness, we are going into it. And it, it like, I was like, and don't tell any of the kids, or a couple of kids that were here, that were there. But like it, like me in that moment, I was a little like, oh, butterflies in my stomach. I'm like, I don't want to get hit by a paintball right now. All the kids are going to come after me. I don't know about this. Why didn't we just do laser tag? Uh, laser tag doesn't hurt as bad. And, and we're sitting there. And um, I realized at that moment, like it was supposed to be just... It was just like the fun night for everybody, and we didn't really have a lesson plan. I realized that even though a month before we talked about for weeks prayer, that moment right then was our best lesson I've ever done in youth group on prayer. Because every single one of these kids were, they were praying. (laughs) They were praying in that moment. And they were like, oh God, right now, help me out. Help me to survive paintball. And, um... After we got into it, uh, everybody had a good time. We did have some bruises, and we did have some pain, and we did have a few tears, and maybe a couple of side fights. But, you know, yeah, that's all part of paintball. But I was just thinking about how so often I'm like this, that I, there's so many opportunities for me to go and me to pray, but it's, it's those crisis moments, and it's at that moment that we do. And these scriptures remind us, and it tells us, that God goes on behalf of us in these moments. That it is okay in those crisis moments to to cry out to God, to cry out to our high priest, to cry out to the Heavenly Father who is there and is gracious. I think sometimes in my life, I've kind of been too pious to think of, like, well, when an emergency situation comes up, that shouldn't be the time I pray because, you know, that's kind of like, you know, you're throwing the Hail Mary prayer, like in the last moment to get out of, like, a problem. And in some ways, I I don't like that idea of prayer because I think we should be more, more spiritual than that. We should always be praying. We should always be seeking God. But listen and see the, the tone of what it's saying right here. In those moments, cry out to the high priest, your God who has come and walked among you and offers those sacrifices on your behalf, and God will give you grace. He is the one we should run to. He is the one that when we're in those moments, go to God and that's the right thing that we do. So when you feel that moment and things are overwhelming, It's reminding us here, this is the gift that God has given you. Jesus, the high priest, and he's there, and he wants you to run to him, and he wants you to go to him. Later on, um, well, in verse 7 and uh, through 9, it says, During the days of Jesus' life, he offered prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience, and from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So, the final picture that it gives us here in this chapter is that ultimately... 
Christ is our salvation. And we know that. And we proclaim that. And we talk about that. But stop for a minute and look through this lens. About the picture that God gives us here in Scripture. About the intimate, deliberate relationship that Jesus has with us as this great high priest. That shows up. He's there for us. He's our representative. He is the sacrifice on our behalf. He's there to gently and, and graciously point us into the right direction. To offer these prayers and petitions for us. To offer that sacrifice for us. And ultimately to grant us salvation. Ultimately is through him who gives us salvation. I want to challenge you and ask you. Is how do you view that relationship with Jesus Christ. It should be one as that trusted counselor, that trusted priest, that picture of the person who goes on our behalf. Almost the person that you would pick up the phone and call first whenever you're in that moment. Somebody that you know and you trust will be there for you. Somebody, ultimately as well, this is the one that can grant us salvation. That is, that, is, that is beyond any of these other pictures of these faulted high priests in the past. That is ultimately the one that on the cross said, it's finished. It's okay. If you're with me, you're fine. God gives us this beautiful picture and goes to painstaking efforts all throughout the Old Testament to point us to what Jesus ultimately became our great high priest, the one that goes before us. How sad it is whenever we run or whenever we resist. How sad it is whenever we're like fearful of coming into God's presence. How sad it is whenever we're like when we're in our time of need and we think that we can handle it on our own and we just kind of like neglect and don't go to our great high priest that was given to us as a gift. The one that will give us grace. The one that is on our side and goes before us. So again, as it says in the introduction of these verses, it says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize. We have somebody that walked on this earth. A God that loves us and cares about us. We have one who has been tempted in every way, but he had no sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. With confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What is it that you need? What is it that you're struggling with? What is it that you are lacking? Whatever it is, cry out to God, the high priest, the God of the universe, and say, help me. This is what I need. Trust that he is there, that he is, he is, he is walking with us. Trust that that relationship can be that deep and that profound and that close. That no matter what you're going through, go there. Cry out to the God of the universe, and he will give us grace. Will you pray with me?
God, we thank you for these pictures. These pictures in scripture that give us a better understanding of who you are. God, there's many times that we kind of think, I have to run away from God because I don't want God to find out. How foolish, how silly to even subconsciously run away from you. God, you are our high priest. You go before us. You offer those sacrifices. You offer those prayers. You are the one that can give us salvation. So God, I pray that in my time of need, I call out to you just as your scripture says. I want to invite you right now to take a moment and think about what is it that you need. Is it something that maybe you've even been ashamed to admit or something that you've been trying to handle just completely on your own? Something that has been frustrating in your life for year after year. Remember who is the great high priest. And if you're in a desperate situation, and if you're in something that is overwhelming, then run and cry out to God. So if in the past you've had apprehension or fear, I challenge you right now to have confidence and cry out to the high priest that wants to give you grace, wants to help out, is on your side, is working on your behalf. God, we thank you. Right now, honestly confess those things. Cry out to God. Offer your own prayers of areas in your life maybe that you have neglected or just not approached God about. Say, God, with confidence, I come before you, the God of the universe, and I know that you will do something about it. Cry out to God right here and now.